Hi, I'm Mark Lynch, Director of the Project on Middle East Political Science. Welcome back to the POMEPS podcast, our series of conversations with top scholars in the field. Uh, with us today is Monica Marks, a PhD student at the University of Oxford. Um, thanks for joining us, Monica. Thanks for having me. So uh, you recently uh, attended the, uh, the party congress of the uh, Tunisian Islamist uh, party, Al-Nahda, and, um, and, and you wrote a, a fascinating piece for us uh, on the monkey cage uh, about what it means that they've decided to split the, uh, the movement and the party and, and all of that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it, about you know, what, you, what you saw at the, uh, at the Al-Nahda congress and what you think it really means. Yeah, the, the Congress was the culmination of years of uh, exhaustive internal conversations within the party um, on, on some issues that were very controversial a couple of years ago, but were mostly settled within the party by the time the Congress happened. Uh, the Congress was a very um, well-organized affair. It was quite um, a flashy affair. Um, it was clear that Anatha was incredibly proud of all the work they'd done to get to that point, and that they were not afraid to even brag about the amount of internal reflection and self-criticism that they'd done. There was a tremendous amount of publicity uh, yes. surrounding this Congress. Yeah, there was a lot of publicity. Um, it, was, it was very clear that they wanted to, to show off um, the, the kind of evolution and political learning that they, I think, you know, in many ways quite correctly felt that they'd done. Um, it, it wasn't, though, a transformational rupture. As I said in the piece uh, I wrote for Monkey Cage uh, a week or so ago. Because many people have presented this as this I think it's been misread. world historical yeah. fundamental change in the nature of Islamism. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and your article suggested that actually this was a much more incremental much more incremental. Change. I think the, the tagline has been uh, Anatha separates mosque and state, or this is a religion and politics separation. Um, that's incorrect. I, I would even hesitate to go so far as to call this a fundamental separation of, of party and movement, although I think you could make the case that it is. Um, the way that it's read inside the party and the reason why the party was able to do it is in fact because they don't see it as a separation. If they saw it as a, as a transformational separation between religion and politics, the party wouldn't agree to that because they feel, like a lot of Christian conservatives feel, that religion should inform the way one goes about public life and can reasonably inform governance. But where they differ from a lot of people's understanding of Islamist groups is that they really have a maqasid or principles, higher objectives-based understanding of how religion should inform politics. The idea is that the principles can give shape and purpose to policies, but that Sharia and Islam do not offer a policy handbook. And, and this is not a new development for Anatha, really. It's more the formalization of a pre-existing um, understanding that, that was dominant within a lot of the leadership even before the revolution and became extra dominant after the 2012 conversations around Sharia. Now, organizationally, though, it represents a, a pretty significant kind of restructuring of the various parts of, of, of Anathba. Yeah, I think we're still seeing how that's going to play out. Um, 
two fundamental changes that the conference made was, first of all, to prohibit anyone in a, an elected leadership position at the local, regional, or national levels from simultaneously holding a leadership position, like treasurer or vice president or whatever, in a civil society organization, including, but not limited to, religious groups. Uh, leaders are also no longer allowed to preach in mosques, even occasionally. The other change that was made organizationally is that the membership process was, was broadened. So some barriers to membership, uh, like needing the recommendation of a pre-existing member, were taken down. So the, the idea here is that this enables Anatta to spread its wings and become more of a national conservative party along the lines of, of AK Party, Turkey's AK Party in its early years. Um, so these, these were two very important changes, but I think they're important not because they represent a fundamental shift in Anatha's philosophy about the relationship between religion and politics, but that they, that they offer a snapshot of a movement on the precipice of, in, in its terms, in its view, hopefully, becoming a national, conservative, high-powered, competitive party. Now, how much of this uh, is driven just by uh, Rashid Ghanoushi and his mm. strategic vision uh, versus kind of ideas or strategic reflection uh, from a broader base of the party? I mean, you hear very different assessments of that, and I'm curious your take. Right. Well, this is actually the topic of my PhD, <laughs> which looks at relationships and tensions between Natha's leadership and the base since the revolution. Uh, what have the tension points been? And how did the leaders manage to make core compromises and keep people more or less riding the bus? Um, it's a pretty amazing uh, snapshot of a movement becoming a party, uh, a party in transition. Um, I think the, the outside reading has generally been that these changes have been pushed by Ganushi and that they're probably not translating down to a sort of um, angry-fisted, uh, you know, conservative base. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think that's a, quite a simplified reading. Ganushi has been important, but um, he is one of a collection of people, kind of progressive pragmatists within the party, and he's not even on the progressive pragmatist fringe. He, what makes Ganushi a very important leader for Natha is that he's able to translate the desires of the progressive pragmatists to the more conservative organizational traditionalists. He's a translator figure, and he's respected by everyone. And I can't think of anyone else in the party that could easily step into those shoes. But um, interestingly, inside Anatha, very few people have read Ranushi's work. I think Western scholars tend to overestimate the impact of Ranushi. Um, but, but his ability to be respected by all and, and to translate and to lead from behind and, and really think um, kind of pragmatically and listen to different sides and foster dialogue has been fundamental in getting more people on board. So positions that start off as mainly popular with Ranushi and the, these more progressively oriented people filter down because of the structures and the exhaustive conversations. But it's also his ability to uh, to compromise with uh, with uh, the Nidal leadership yeah. or the Sipsi, um, and then to you know actually deliver on his side of the compromise, which are 
No, that, that seems to be the sort of thing that, uh, that demonstrates some real leadership. Yeah, and I think that brings us to the most important point of the Congress, which wasn't this alleged separation between religion and politics. It was a reaffirmation of the politics of reconciliation, mm -hmm. which Renouchi has been fundamental in pushing. And Asepsi showed up at the Congress. Incredible. It was the most dramatic moment of the whole Congress. Um, he got way more applause than Renouchi got. When, when Beji came in, Beji, Beji, everybody was chanting. It was incredible. That's because very strange, for, you understand. For me, you know, having covered this for years, I, I immediately remembered the week of the parliamentary elections in October 2014. And Natha, despite what they later said, were very much expecting to win those elections. And when it became clear that Nida Tunis had won, a lot of folks in the party, now not Ranushi in the leadership, but a lot of folks in the base were terrified. My, my phone was ringing off the hook with people saying, we're going to be thrown back in prison, we're going to be raped, we're going to be tortured again. And, and to watch some of these same faces that I knew from 2014, clapping, beji, beji, really was incredible. Um, and, you know, I think one, one of the arguments of, of my PhD is that inside Natha, the most controversial issues haven't been what Westerners expect. Sharia, blasphemy, etc. Those are important. But the compromises of revolutionary principle, for example, Ranushi's opposition to an electoral lustration law that would have prohibited RCDists from running. That's the former ruling party. That's the former ruling party. It was hugely controversial inside Anatha because Nathawis wanted that law. And Ranushi said, no, if we prohibit these people from participating, that's going to create a constituency for a coup. So, so this politics of reconciliation, that's really been where Ranushi has been fundamental. And, and that was, for me, a reaffirmation of those politics uh, was the main thing to come out of the Congress. That doesn't mean that they're still not controversial. It's interesting, the, the, the reaction to, uh, to the, the declaration of the separation. You know, the, there's been an, an enormous uh, both regional and also international embrace of this and a huge publicity around it. And uh, it strikes me that you know, parts of it do seem to be genuinely new if they're actually implemented. Others, not so much. You know, for example, the, the, the PJD in Morocco. Mm. They've been, quote unquote, post-Islamist for years. And mm. they've worked within the government and held the prime ministry. And I, I'm just curious your thoughts on the extent to which the claimed novelty of these new organizational principles is real versus just this you know, kind of public relations gambit. You know, honestly, I need to know more about the PJD example of, of party movement relationship to, to really comment uh, more intelligently on that. I think it's a fascinating question that should be explored. And Natha is definitely cognizant of what the PJD did. In general, what I can say confidently is that the novelty has been overrated. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of it has to do with our obsession with Islamist politics and with religious politics, and, and we tend to hold our magnifying glass of critical inquiry there, and our interest is there. So I, th I think the, the mushrooming of this story and the failure to pick out maybe more important lessons of the Congress reflects that. Um, but one thing I'd also say is that um, we should really question these terms like post-Islamism and secularism and, and Islamism itself, and to what extent they really even apply to a lot of the actors that we look at. Mm -hmm. Because 
you know, Anatha is inhabiting a political space where separating religion and politics is not possible. It's not truly possible in the way that Western liberals might conceive it. The secularists don't want to be called secularists in Tunisia. They, they say, we're a modern party for a Muslim people. This is what Nidat says. And you're seeing Anatha getting away from its own taboo word, Islamism. Because Islamism is associated in Tunisia with like golfy currents or with the Muslim Brotherhood. So they're saying, again, we're a modern party for a Muslim people. So you see a convergence on both sides around a perceived center, which is very interesting. And that center in Tunisia is a, it's a religiously conservative center, not as conservative as many other countries in the region, but it's something that we need to come to, to grips with, that this idea of separation isn't going to happen in the way that we imagine. Right? Now, you, you, you say the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood in a quite disparaging way, and I imagine that channels the, the, the views you hear uh, from Nathawis. Mm. Um, and you, you wrote an earlier article for us where you really pushed back on the common the common belief that the coup in Egypt had a decisive role in shaping the Nahda decision to compromise. Um, can you just walk through that just a little bit, explain why you think it is mm. that um, Nahda's decision was not yeah. Oh, I wish, I, I wish now I'd gone back and read my piece. <laughs> you know, I forget what I write sometimes. Um, yeah, I think the Egypt coup exacerbated or reaffirmed pre-existing patterns of compromise inside Natha. It's not to say the coup didn't have an effect or it wasn't important. It was, but it didn't fundamentally change the direction. It just made a lot of people in Anatha say, okay, now the stakes are even higher and we really need to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but what really, um, I think the real turning point moment in, in Tunisia um, that, that forced um, more hardline majoritarian type thinkers in Anatha to ride the minimalist train (laughs) was uh, the twin assassinations of Shukri Balaid and Mohamed Brahmi, one of which happened in February of 2013, the other happened in July. Um, but, But it was these twin assassinations that sparked off the Bardo crisis of summer 2013 and, and it really just created a huge political crisis where you had a lot of actors calling for the anti-democratic ouster of Natha. Now, when the coup in Egypt happened, it, it raised those stakes and, and made that an even more dramatic conversation. But if you look at the history of Natha, even in the 1980s and 1990s, you see a movement that was you know, you could argue that the post-Islamist turn happened back in the 80s with nothing. This movement was uh, many times repeatedly in conversation with secular opposition movements, etc., signing documents. If you look at the October movement mm-hmm. of the 2000s, this was a movement that had agreed uh, in the mid-2000s to Sayyid um, al popular sovereignty, as the sole source of legitimacy, which is a really kind of incredible thing when you think about an Islamist party. They're saying the people's voice, right. not Sharia. So it's important to have a broader contextual view and to also, lastly, just recognize the importance of Algeria, what happened in Algeria in the early 90s, 1990s in shaping Natha leaders' view. That was their keystone, key touchstone moment. It wasn't 
the Muslim Brotherhood in 2013. And what's interesting is that you know many people assume that there's this constellation of Islamist parties that is tightly interwoven, and they just simply assume a natural affinity yeah. between the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood and Anahta. But uh, it doesn't seem that Rashid Ghanoushi was taking lessons no, from Mohammed um, al-Morsi. There's, there's a piece that I have out with the Brookings Rethinking Political Islam Project where I draw on over 80 interviews I conducted in the summer of 2013 where I asked Nathawis and Nathawis members, what model of Islamic governance would you like to see in Tunisia? And I prompted them on it because they always wanted to talk about the Turkish AK party, this was pre-Gezi, and German Christian Democrats. But unless prompted, they would pretty much never mention the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood. They painted themselves as the progressive cousin to the recalcitrant, stodgy uncle who just couldn't really get with the program. Now, when the coup happened in 2013 and when the Rabah massacre happened, you heard less of that critical talk in Anatha because people really sympathized. Mm -hmm. They said, you know, they didn't listen to us when we said to not govern alone, but nothing justifies what happened to these people. So there, there's been a conversation, a quite critical conversation, about the Muslim Brotherhood for a long time. But I think you know, Western analysts have a real tendency um, to think outward from Egypt because so many of us have done our fieldwork in Egypt. Um, and, and for other reasons, but e Egypt is, is really a kind of pivotal country and sometimes analysts fail to appreciate uh, countries in North Africa or elsewhere in the region on their own themes. And, um, and then you're right, that this is a really important thing to do to get away from our Egypt-centrism um, as a field. Um, okay, well, well thanks, uh, Monica Marks, uh, Oxford University. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks.